welcome to everybody, including our online audience uh, this morning. Um, privileged to share his word with you. How many of you brought your Bibles this, uh, today with you? Hold them up. Good. Okay, today you're not going to need them. So... Um, <laughs> Not because we're not talking about the Bible, because we are going to uh, provide that for you uh, uh, this morning, but grateful that you brought them. Bring them uh, with you again next week. Uh, We want to get used to opening the book and opening our hearts to it, Uh, and our mission is to help people find Christ and find community, and we hope that you find him today, whether you're a believer or not. We need him every day. And so last week, we began a new year, and we began a new series, and uh, it was based on this proverb. If you weren't here last week... Um, I'd really encourage you to go listen online but uh, to, to our, to our um, YouTube uh, message from last week. But we had this proverb is what we were talking about last week. It's, it's um, not, from the, not from the Bible, but do we have the proverb? You can throw it up there. Perfect. It's this. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. You teach a man to fish and you feed him for life. We've been talking about the, the, the basis of the series is teach a man to fish, giving the spiritual principles uh, and teaching how as opposed to just giving a sermon. I can give a message and I know that three minutes after you leave, you're going to remember like maybe three seconds of it, the, a joke or something. Uh, and, but we, we wanted to do something as we get into this year that actually teaches people how to fish. And so last, uh, last week our mission was this, that, that people would take the challenge to read Scripture every day with some other people. And it's not mean gather together. We, we are using the U version so that you can read scripture every day with, um, with other people. And it's not too late to uh, start or join a group. We have all kinds of groups that have started. Anybody take up the challenge? Show of hands. Come on. Yeah, there's a whole bunch reading, reading through different things. The New Testament, some are doing the Bible, some are doing it with their small group, some are doing it with their friends. It's awesome. And so um, we'd encourage you to do that. And if you're like, well, how do I start a group? Listen to last week's message. We walk through it in, in detail of uh, how to. Uh, and so we talked about this. We would say people is like, I want to hear God's voice. I wish God would speak to me. I want to know his will for my life. And we're like, do you read the word? Well, I don't want that. We're saying those two things are so interconnected. You can't say, I want to hear your voice, O Lord, and never read his word. It just doesn't work. And we know the majority of Christians who call themselves Christians statistically don't read scripture. But we're like, we want to change that and hold them in. We'd rather that, you know, 100% of the people who are part of this church family, we read scripture. We just, because that's what Christians do. And we want to hear his voice and we want to, we want him to move through our lives. And so there's a, the, the thought, the two thoughts are, there's a group of people who like, you just don't want to. And you can't say, oh, I want to hear your voice, but I don't want to read the word. I can't really help much on the don't want to. But the don't know how to, it's like, I'm just not sure where to start, how to do this. That we can help. And that's what last week's message was all about, the, the, the how to read his word uh, you know, and, uh, with, with others. And so today, I just want to look at how do we hear him speak while we're reading his word? It's not like a book where I'm just like, oh, I finished the novel and check it off on my book club. This is about, like, how do I hear his voice uh, through what we're reading. And so you can jot some extra notes on that page if you want to. We're going to give a bit. And then t- this morning, Jackie, Constable, and I are tag teaming. So um, it's going to be excellent. So let's jump right in. Here's, the, here's three thoughts on how to hear his voice. Number one is prepare ahead of time. Prepare ahead of time. Um, because it's based on uh, fishing and teaching man to fish, I was reminded of some fishing stories. Um, great to see Bob here with us again this morning. Uh, the sermons last week was about Jesus and Bob, and there's some Bob in this one too. So, um, but we were fishing in this place called Elk Lake, and if, even if, you, like, if you're into fishing stories, last week's full of them, but, uh, and they're good ones, worth listening to. But Bob and I, we were one uh, afternoon um, fishing at the mouth, or actually it was, it was kind of 
late afternoon. Uh, we, we were um, out fishing by the, the mouth of the, the lake, and, and he was, it was teaching me how to, how to fish and do different things. We were just catching a few little nibbles or whatever, nothing much. And then he all of a sudden says, so, you know, he looks back, he's like, I'm going to catch a five-pounder right now. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, I know you're gifted fisherman, but nobody calls their shot. And he's like, you just watch. And, and then he pulls out this big frog, and he puts the frog on the hook. And I'm like, where did you get a frog? And he's like, well, you were napping. I was out catching frogs. And I'm like, okay. And so then he casts this line in, and it just like hits the water, goes down, all of a sudden, big hit. And we're like, oh, man. He's like, see, I told you, I told you. I'm like, yeah, it's probably a guppy, you know. It's like nothing. And he's, he's reeling it in, and, and he's like, get this fish, get this fish. And we pull it up. Five pounds, one ounce. One ounce was the frog. Five pounds was this massive bass. And I was like, wow, like I had never seen fish like this before. And, and so then I'm like, guess who went uh, hunting for frogs the next day? But Bob got them all. So, but yeah, this, this thought was, this, was the same. If we want to catch something when we're reading his word, you need to prepare ahead of time. It's not just one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm just going like, to open my Bible somewhere and the Lord's going to speak to me. It doesn't typically happen that way. Prepare ahead of time is things like this. Find a place and a time. Find a place and a time where you're going to read through Scripture, a time that gives you the opportunity just to listen for his voice as you read. So, you know, like five minutes before dinner, where you're in the kitchen, you got four hangry children, not a good time to open the app and be like, oh, i got to read it today. And it doesn't mean you got to leave yourself tons of time, but it's that spot where you can say, this is a time where I don't necessarily have to feel rushed. And then second, after you find a time and a place, pray. Pray beforehand, saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice. It's why I'm doing this. It's why I'm reading. I want to hear you. And Lord, I want you to lead me into the truth that you know I need. Because sometimes we think we, 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 think we know what we need. It's like teenagers, like, Lord, should I ask that girl out? I need a sign. Like, is she the one? And like, you go through scripture. Well, you might as well grab a daisy and go, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. It's the same thing. But it's that spot of saying, Lord, I just put my heart before you. You know what I need to hear. And as I read, would you speak to me? And and he will. D.L. Moody said it this way. If we read the word and do not pray, we may become puffed up with knowledge without the love that builds up. And if we pray without reading the word, we shall be ignorant of the mind and will of God and become mystical and fanatical and blown about by every wind of doctrine. And we all know people like that. People who pray and it's like, oh, I felt the Lord told me this. And you're like, well, that's not in the Bible. It doesn't matter. He told me. <laughs> oh, that's not in the Bible. Right? And so it's this thing of saying, man, I'm just, I want both. Prayer and studying his word. So number one, I encourage you to prepare. Second is to pause or slow down. To slow down. Over the years, we took a lot of guys up to Elk Lake. And this one year, we took this one young guy. He was like, he begged to go for a few years. was like, I just want to go fishing. I just want to go fishing. I love fishing. We're like, okay, we'll take him up there. And uh, he was used to fishing in a quarry uh, where he would cast a line and catch a sunfish every single time. And so uh, when we get up there, it, it was like we, we, one guy took him out in the boat and they went fishing. And so they went to the beaver hut where you catch fish. And he casts once, nothing. Cast again, nothing. He's like, no, they're not here. We got to go to the mouth. You know, that's, we saw Bob and Mark catching at the mouth. We got to go there. And so they go to the mouth and they one cast, nothing. Two cast, no, they're not here. We got to go to the weed bed. You know, we got to go to the narrows. We got to go to the shallows. We got to go to the fallen logs. We got to go somewhere else. And then as he went around the lake, casting once, twice, never catching anything, he gets to the end. It's like, tells the guy, there's no fish in this lake. We got to go to another lake. And we're just like, buddy, you need to slow down. Stay in that one place for a while. Wait it out. And it's the same, I would say, with listening for his voice, with discovering truth for yourself. We need to slow down. Slow down. One of the great methods for that is what we've learned through the precept uh, method of studying scripture is to just slow down. And, and these three things, to observe, 
to interpret and to apply. And so we want to show you these this morning. Observe. Basically, when you observe, and I think we've got a slide for that, is this question. You're asking this question. What does it say? This is how you should read scripture to hear his voice, is sit down and open it every day and be like, okay, what does it say? And you read it for what it says. Uh, and taking a, taking a few minutes as you read it to, to ask the next question, because you can read it like, okay, that's what it says. But then asking the second question, which is interpret, is what does it mean? The second one, what does it mean? You know, many like to add two words to this. What does it mean to me? <laughs> that's a problem. That's a problem. Too many people read scripture and be like, well, what does this mean to me? It, it really doesn't matter what it means to you at this point. It mean, like, what did he mean by what he said? Because we have so many people, like, they read stuff and like, well, uh, I, this is what it means to me. Well, I, or I don't think God really meant that when he wrote that. And we try and change scripture. And let me just tell you this. We have the same enemy we've always had. Satan has always been the same. And guess what? He uses the same strategy. Why? Because it works fooled Adam and Eve with this question. What, what was the question he asked Adam and Eve in the garden? Patty? Did God really say? That was the question he asked. Did God really say? And they're like, yes, that's what God really said. And what's his second question? Did he really mean that? Did God really mean? That's what, that's what people are, that's what he was asking. And that's the same question he's going to put in your head every time you read scripture. Well, did he really mean that? And if we don't ask that question in that way, we'll be tempted to do the very same thing, that we will read into Scripture or we'll try and change the meaning from what God said so it better fits our circumstance. Did God really say that it should be one man and one woman in marriage? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Some of you are like, this is recorded. I'm not going to answer. They might know it's my voice. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Did he really mean that? Yes. See, we got, we're making this spot where we're like, we can't speak truth anymore because of our world around us. It's because his strategy, the enemy's strategy is working. Did he say that there is only one way to salvation? Yes. Did he mean that? Yes. Then yes. And we can go down the line. We won't do it today. We'll look at it another week. But did God really mean what God really said? And for some of you, you're like, oh, they're going that way? There'll be more seats available. <laughs> But man, we're not going to shy away from speaking truth because he is the author, originator of truth, and our world needs to hear it. We need to hear it. We need to embrace it. We need to know it. What did he mean by what he said? And then third, apply. What do I do with this? Too many people rush this step. Don't rush this step. Don't jump in and be like, oh, I read something. I'm going to do it. It's, it's like the husband who's like, his wife says, hey, could you go to the grocery store for me and pick up? And he's like, yes. And then you get to the grocery store and you're like, why am I here? Hun, what was I supposed to, what was I supposed to get? Too many people do that with scripture, like, oh, I read something, and that's what it means, and that's what we do. And they don't allow themselves to just look through scripture to allow it to interpret. And, uh, you know, if we think, think about this, yesterday's reading, for those who are reading with me through the New Testament, if we just did what it said, it said, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. I know some of your eyes have caused you to sin, but I don't see no gouged out eyes yet this morning. You know, if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. I mean, if we just took it like that and said, well, what does it really, who cares what it means? Let's just do what it said. We got a church full of pirates, you know, eye patches and hooks, because, man, you're just like, it's this thought of, what does, it, what, like, what does he mean by that? He's saying things like, man, if this causes you to sin, cut it off. Get a dumb phone if your smartphone's causing you to sin. That, that's, that's what he's meaning. These things make it impossible for that to happen again in your life. So, you know, time, take time to prepare ahead of time, take time to pause, and then third practice. You know, I'll never forget 
I'll never forget this. So, you know, one of the very first years I went fishing up, up north. We were sitting just uh, in a boat, Bob, Brody, and myself, just off the, just off the campsite, not too far at all. And uh, as we were sitting there, the sun was behind us. It was uh, just, you know, mid after, late afternoon. And uh, we're, we're standing there, and it's just peaceful. It's perfect, pristine. As we cast our three lines out into the, um, into the, into the shallow weed bed, like the sun reflecting off the water, you can see those lures just glistening uh, underneath as they just come in about six inches under the surface as we're reeling them in. And then off to the right, all of a sudden we see this swirl. It's like a sea monster woke up. And it begins to swim. We see the shadow, and this fish is long enough. It, when it swims, it has like two curves. And it's like, it's swimming. It's like this massive pike. And I'm like, sweet, I'm the closest one. He looks at me, nope. Keeps going. He goes, looks at Bob's, nope. He knows it's Brody's birthday. And so he goes for the middle one. And all of a sudden, we watch. We can see it ha- like on TV where whoom, this big fish bites. And man, we start yelling and yelling at each other. Brody's like, I got it. Bob's like, don't let that one go. He's like, I got it, Dad. I got it, Dad. And he's like, you get the net. Don't hit it on the head this time. You got it. And we're all yelling on camps. Everybody's looking around like on the lake. And, and then, man, we dri- that, that fish gets all the way to the boat. And Bob nets it in there. 12-pound pike. Yeah. Man, we were like hooping and hollering like little schoolgirls. We were so excited that we had just got this, this massive fish in the boat. And as I remember that, guess where people all started fishing after that? <laughs> right off the camp. But guess what? Guess what happened in that, in that water? Over the years, we always give trophies out. The trophy pike was, was at least three times caught in that same spot. And why do I say that? Because fishing in familiar waters, you still have the opportunity to catch something new. And this morning, as we take, a, take some time just to look into his word together, we're fishing in familiar waters. Many of you have heard Psalm 23 before. I mean, I've read it and heard it so many times, and yet I learned something new. I haven't learned something new talking to people today. I met this girl, I believe her name's Jerusha. Yes. And she said, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a cool name. Where's it from? The Bible. And I was like, oh, I still uh, have things to learn. I'm so glad that happened. It was a pleasure meeting you this morning. But as we dive into... Psalm 23 this morning, man, that our hearts will be open to, to catch something new. And so would you welcome Jackie as we uh, take a moment to do something interesting together. Thank you. Sorry. Oh, there's a pen in everybody's seats. So uh, there, this is an all state. We'd love for everybody to play along. <laughs> Okay, good morning. So just as uh, Mark already taught us, it's really important before we slow down and pause over the word, we need to pray. So for this morning, because we want everyone to participate, we're going to use the Lord's Prayer. So if you know it, I'd love for you to join me. And if you don't, that's okay. We're praying on your behalf. All right? So let's go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, uh, as Mark said, we're, many of us are familiar with Psalm 23, but sometimes if we slow down and ask questions, even in a passage that's familiar to us, we can still find new lessons to teach and encourage us. So I'm going to read through Psalm 23, all six verses, and you guys need your pens ready, all right? So make sure they're working, do a little squiggle or something in the corner, 
Every time we come across a reference to God, including pronouns, you're going to circle it or mark it with a triangle. Doesn't matter which way, just whatever you're comfortable with. What might be an example of a pronoun for God? What do I mean when I say that? He, awesome, okay, he, him, those are pronouns. If it's referring to God, we're gonna mark that the same way, okay? So here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So who would you say, and you're supposed to shout out at me, all right? I'm not the only one doing the talking. So when I ask you a question, I'm expecting you to answer, okay? So who are the main people in this psalm? You got it. God and the person writing the psalm. Good job. All right, so we would call him the psalmist. All right, so we have the Lord and we have the psalmist. What does this psalm teach us about God? So you're going to look at all the places you just marked him, and what does that particular part of the passage teach us about God? He's my shepherd. Awesome. He's our shepherd. Yep. Provider. Provider. Loves. He loves. Good. He restores. He leads. Good. He's with us. He's with us. Comfort. He comforts us. Awesome. What else do we learn about God? He prepares. He prepares. Okay. Awesome. He anoints. He's got a rod. He's got a rod. Yeah. That's how he takes care. Those sheep need it once in a while, right? <laughs> He is awesome. Good job. He is loving, kind, and good. Do you notice that halfway through this psalm, there's a change of pronoun? All right? The first three verses, the psalmist is, saying, is using he when he talks about God. But from verses four down, that changes to you. So what does that tell us? Okay, it's like the second half becomes more of a prayer. Okay, other thoughts? It's personal. Good, right? The first half, when he's saying he, it's almost like he's talking about God, right? He's telling other people, or telling the person who's reading it like us about God and what he's like. But the latter half, he's talking straight to God. He's talking right to his shepherd, right? It's personal. When we describe God... We usually use adjectives. Adjectives are describing words. God is holy. God is loving. Okay? But in this psalm, what sort of words does the writer use to describe God? Look at all the places you mark God and look at the words that come after. What sort of words is the psalmist using to describe God? Describe a shepherd. Okay, perfect. Both right. 
right? So you noticed it's words that describe a shepherd, but in this case, they're all action words. All the things that a shepherd does for his sheep. That's how this psalmist is describing his shepherd. What does that teach us? He's active in our lives. Awesome. The shepherd is providing for us. The shepherd is leading us. He is preparing, comforting us. All the things the shepherd does in our lives. Awesome. So we're going to look through this text one more time. We're going to slow down again. This time we want to know where is the Lord? Where is the Lord our shepherd? So every time we come across a place where it describes where the shepherd is, you're going to underline it. There's six places all together, just in these six verses, okay? So we'll find them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." So what might each place represent? Okay, so now you're going to look at all the places you underlined. What might green pastures represent when we consider a shepherd caring for his sheep? Dinner. Dinner, (laughs) right? Food, okay? What kind of pasture? A good one. Go ahead. Plentiful. Plentiful, okay? A A safe place, good. Could also represent... Peaceful place, good. What about quiet waters? What might it represent? Peaceful times. Peaceful times, okay. Never thirst. You'll never thirst, okay. Good, never thirst. Do we need water? Do sheep need water? Yeah, we need it. Okay, good. What about paths of righteousness? What might that represent? Why would a shepherd want to lead his sheep to paths of righteousness? Keep, okay, good. Keep them from harm. Good, Scott. Yep. Shout him out again. I'd... It's the way to him. The way to him. Okay, awesome. Paths of righteousness. It's his way. The shepherd is leading the sheep to the right path. If a sheep, if there's any farmers here, if a sheep has no shepherd, do they just pick the right path? <laughs> No, right? They need a shepherd to lead them. What else does it make you think of when you consider a path of righteousness? What else does the shepherd want? Behavior. Okay, it also, yeah, totally relates to behavior, right? It's not just any path. It's a path of righteousness, all right? It's a path of right behavior, of right actions, of good things, okay? Next one, valley of the shadow of death. Difficult times. Definitely, Mandy. Yep. Make you think of anything else? I've always heard someone say, it's just a shadow. 
It's just a shadow. Okay. All right. When he's with you, it's just a shadow. When he's with you, it's just a shadow. That's good, Lily. Definitely difficult times, right? Maybe scary times, right? What about in the presence of my enemies? What might that represent? Definitely. Yep. Derek, trials and tribulations. Temptations. Temptations. Yep. Good. An advocate. Okay, so it's like he's an advocate. Okay, good. In your presence of your enemies, you want someone on your, st- on your side, right? Excellent. And what about in the house of the Lord? What does that mean? In the house of the Lord. Home. Home. Someone's awesome. Home. Heaven, someone said. Place where you spend time with God. Excellent. A place where you spend time with God. His presence. So just in these six verses about our shepherd, is there anywhere where the sheep are where the shepherd isn't? He's with them, right? So all these places, the, the, the things that God does for us, the, the final stage of inductive study would then be to apply what we've learned. So what have you learned about the Lord being your shepherd? Just in this short amount of time, looking at these six verses slowly, what have you learned for yourself about the Lord as your shepherd? Constant. Say it again. He's constant. He's constant. Awesome. He's constant. He cares for his flock. He cares for his flock. Wherever the sheep are, the shepherd is. Wherever the sheep are, the shepherd is. He's a good shepherd? He's a good shepherd. Okay, good. Let's keep going. Flip it over. Cross-references are other passages in the Bible that speak about the same idea. So we're going to briefly look over Mark 6 and Revelation 7 to see what else we can learn about this idea of a shepherd and his sheep. So as I read from Mark 6, every time you come across um, a reference to the crowd, including pronouns, you're going to underline it, okay? When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. In this verse, how does Jesus describe the crowd? Large, and how else? Okay, yep, like sheep, and then someone else said lost. How does she know they're lost? He had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. That's how Jesus felt about them. But how do we know that the sheep are lost? Right, because the verse says they were like sheep without a shepherd. Okay, good job. How does this verse contrast with what we just got finished learning in Psalm 23? How are they? What's the differences? Okay, in Psalm 23, the sheep had their shepherd. Good. What else? Yeah, whereas in the Mark verse, the sheep are lost, right? In Psalm 23, the sheep, the, the psalmist knows his shepherd. He's not lost. He knows him. He knows what he's like, and he can even talk directly to him. Right? But the crowd um, in Mark, they, they don't know their shepherd, right? They don't know what he's like. They don't know where they're supposed to go or what they're supposed to do. Maybe they don't feel like they're being provided for. 
right? Maybe they, okay? So you see the differences between the two? Which passage best represents you? Something just for you to reflect on for yourself. Do you relate to the psalmist? Do you know your shepherd? Do you know what he's like, what he does for you? Can you talk to him directly? Or do you relate more to the crowd and you don't know him yet? He feels compassion for you if that's where you feel, if that's where you're at right now. He wants to begin to teach you many things. Revelation 7, while I read through it, this time you're going to circle or triangle every reference to God. Okay? This is our closing passage, including pronouns. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. For how long will the Lord be our shepherd? Forever. Forever. Can you describe how these verses in Revelation relate to the psalm that we saw earlier, especially verse 6 in Psalm 23? And flip back over and let's review what we saw in verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now look back at the text in Revelation. How do these verses relate to each other? Okay, we see we serve him day and night, just as with the shepherd is with us forever. The sheep serve him day and night. Okay. Looks like the culmination of Psalm 23. It looks like a culmination of Psalm 23. That's good, Doug. Right? It's like it's all come together, right? They've arrived at that place where they're no longer hungry. There's no more thirst, no more tears. They're with their shepherd. Anything else that you see that it relates? According to Revelation 7, does it sound like a good shepherd again? His provision, his care, his goodness, his loving kindness... Right? Definitely matches up. So again, how to apply? What does this mean for us? Based on what you have learned from now three passages, Psalm 23, Mark, and Revelation, what have you learned from these passages, and what does it mean for you to say, the Lord is my shepherd? Okay. Have you learned a little bit more from Psalm 23 than what you originally understood from it? Right? This took us 10 minutes. So um, in line with what Mark was just teaching us about, if you've enjoyed this exercise, if this has helped you to, to see and understand what God says, if you'd like to practice 
Um, we have ready for you a couple workbooks to choose from. Um, they're normally $18. Mark would like to offer them at $10 just to make it easy. And if, if $10 is too much, I'd still love for you to come talk to me. We'll make that work. It's not, it's, no cost isn't an issue. Uh, we just really want to see people engaging in God's word. Uh, so if you liked this exercise, uh, these workbooks, Lord, I want to know you. It's uh, passages in the Bible where God refers to himself, all the different names he calls himself so that we can get to know who he is. And then, Lord, I need answers, uh, covers a whole bunch of questions just about our faith. If you're just looking to grow stronger spiritually, um, in line, again, in line with what Mark is teaching us about reading scripture every day, these workbooks just give you a daily, a daily passage, a small amount of scripture to do exactly what we just did today. It might recommend that you mark a word or two, and it'll ask you some questions to get you to think through the text. So if you'd like to know more about that, come on up and see me. And... Uh, I'll give it back to Mark. Yeah, you can clap for her. That's been passionate about that. We're so grateful the Lord brought Jackie to our family. Many of you have experienced this type of learning. And what is it? It's like, it's like hooking that big fish the moment you discover truth for yourself. And guess what? When you discover it for yourself, it never gets off the hook. It's with you. It's with you. It's what it's meant to be. As even as I went through this, it was the very first time that I ever noticed the difference between he and you. And I thought, man, as you talk about him, as you talk about him, as you talk about him, it turns into, oh, this is who you are. That worship and just realizing I don't have to worry at all. I've got the best shepherd and he has me. Man, I pray that that would be the thing that you could say for yourself as well. As we close today, I just want to leave you with one question or statement. So what? So what? So what did you learn today? And so what are you going to do with what you've learned today? You know, the, uh, seeing just the, the fact of I can observe, I could do that at home. I can read through scripture and I can just see what it says. I can interpret. I just did it. I just saw what it means to slow down and just look for the main themes. And God, what are you saying? And then apply. What am I going to do with that? How am I going to be obedient? So often people say, oh, I want to apply that verse to my life. It's, kept, it's backwards you got to ask the question, how do I apply my life to that verse? How do I apply the way I live to what he has said as his follower? And one last scripture, James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, when he wrote to the Jesus followers in the first century, he encouraged them with these words, and they're words for every reader to follow. James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. You've done that this morning. He's encouraging you, warning you, challenging you with this. Don't just listen. you got to do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, but you walk away and you forget what you look like. And we've talked about this so often. It's so easy to come and listen to a sermon, listen to a message, read the verse of the day, see something, and then boom, it's gone. He's like, no, 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 no. That, that's not the meaning or the intention of this. Verse 25, if you look carefully, if you do what we did this morning, slow down, prepare, pause, and practice just looking carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. And if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, and you won't, he says, then God will bless you for doing it. Man, my challenge and my hope for us as his followers, so we realize, man, we have a great shepherd worth following. And his words are life, and they're living, they're powerful, and we need them in our life, and we need our, <laughs> it begins to come out of your life. Um, even had last night as people were there like, oh, man, I just, I was reading this week, I felt like I got to share this. And I'm like, It's happening. It's happening. That doesn't happen unless we slow down. You want to hear his voice? We've just given you a fish. 
We've, we've taught you how to fish. You can go home and do the same thing. Go check out the Lord's Prayer and slowly read through it. Go check out anything and just slowly read through it. May, he, may your life be changed as a result. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we're grateful for your presence. We're confident of it this morning. Your words told us there's nowhere we can be where you aren't. Grateful for your goodness, your care as a good shepherd over our lives. Thank you for feeding us this morning with your word, the daily bread that we so need. Holy Spirit, I pray that tomorrow as we continue to look to you, you would sustain us again for that day. You would lead us and guide us no matter what we face or where we may be. Confident of it, Lord. Father, I pray over this gathering of believers this morning as they go from this place that they recognize and be aware of the fact that they leave with you. You're with them. And Lord, for those here who don't know you, I, I know how you rescued me and just pray that they have a sense of your drawing on them, your calling them to you. Lord, may we uh, live actively as your followers. May we just be, um, be who you desire us to be. Continue to work in our hearts and lives. They're yours. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.